Hello, and welcome to episode number 20 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Lenore, and my co-host tonight is Les. It's just wrong that we can't all get together these last few times. Mm. The universe is against us, but <laughs> D is under the weather and won't be with us tonight. Tonight, we're talking about how we modify our stationery items, but first... Let's talk about what we're drinking. Mm. Les, what's your medium and what's your poison? So um, I rushed home from work and I stopped at Starbucks because, you know, why not have a cup of coffee on a Friday night? And I... Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah As know, one does. Hey, you know, I, I was going to come home and make one, but I would have been too late for the podcast. So I got a... What I, what I ordered was a blonde flat white. And it's actually a latte. Uh... <laughs> Because this the, the Starbucks location near me, you know, gotta love the poor kids there, but they can't make the drinks. They just, they're horrible. Um, so pretty much any time I, like, order anything, I just expect that I'm going to get a latte. Um, so I have... <laughs> I, <laughs> So I, I have a I have a tall latte right now with the blonde roast espresso in it, which is actually not bad. Um, it's it's you know if you're gonna do charbucks, um, then the blonde is the way to go. And uh, right. I am writing with my key, Squire from Baron Fig, in oh. my podcasting Baron Fig train of thought, and. Um, it's really cool that we're talking about modifications tonight because I'm going to modify the crap out of this pen. Um, there are a number of different modifications that you can do with brass and copper. And I'm going to hit this thing with some ammonia. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, for how you can modify your brass. And I'm really looking forward to modifying this thing because it's going to be all kinds of blue, green, teal color when I'm done. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah. So is it, is it not too heavy? I thought it would be too heavy. It is. It's about double the weight of a regular Squire. But because of how... Yeah, I consider the regular Squire to be kind of heavy for me. It's the Because of how it's weighted, it's weighted down towards the, the tip, the nose, the writing, writing portion of it. I actually find it super comfortable. I actually find it more comfortable than the regular Squires. And I think it's just because it's it has more weight to it. And it's focused down towards the tip. Instead of, you know... I It's not perfectly balanced. Like, if you balance it on your finger, it doesn't balance quite in the middle. But uh, I, I really like how it feels. Even though it is, it is twice the weight of a regular Squire. But it's comfortable. I like it. I do not like how Dang brass it, smells. I'm gonna buy one. I was gonna get out of it by saying it's too heavy. Uh, you, I, you, you'll like it. Just, just give in. Just buy one. Darn just it. Do it. Darn it. <laughs> and well, and then, and then think of the chemistry experiments that you can do with it and ammonia. Yeah, but I actually like brass. I. So here's my issue with brass. It smells. It does smell. It's true. Does it smell less once you've greened it up? Yeah. Well, because you once you once you hit it with the chemicals, you put a sealer coat over it. Oh, okay. See, I would be more inclined to just put a sealer coat over it without without um, getting the verdigris yeah, you know, patina first. Do you know what brass smells like to me? What blood? 
Oh, huh. Okay. Yeah. It uh, it has that kind of metallic blood smell, like copper. Well, see, everybody says blood smells like metal, and I've never thought that. It smells like copper. Have okay. you have it you ever smell like copper to me? Have you ever done any um, soldering of copper pipes? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, of co- uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've been around while it was being done. Yeah, it reminds me of um, like when you take copper pipes and you uh, put the flux on it and then solder it. That's what it smells like to me, and it smells like blood. Mm. Anyway, okay. now that we've gone tangential, so on, much more, so much more. The metallic smell of blood on the podcast, and why <laughs> I am not a huge fan of brass. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you drinking, Lenore? <laughs> Um, I'm having some pizza from a local place <laughs> and, um, and a fat tire. Nice. And, you know, this pizza and beer thing, I think it's going to catch on. They go really well together. <laughs> you think? Yeah, you should try it. It's, it's pretty great, actually. I usually um, enjoy pizza with a cheap beer. Like a PBR or Budweiser. Yeah, we usually have that in the fridge and I'm home ah. tonight, so. And this is this is actually last night's pizza. I actually got to go out on a date last night, Ooh. and I left Spawn home with a babysitter, which almost never happens. And we ordered them a pizza because I was planning ahead for tonight. So smart. Yeah, it was. And I'm riding with my little uh, pale mint green Coico Sport, mm. and I just today uh, ran it out of the peacock blue cartridge that it had in it and fixed it up with some silicone grease and um and filled it with some green ink mm. for grading and i i really like it so you know so i'm doing my i'm doing a modded pen for our for our modifications uh mm. episode here excellent and this i'm thinking that this uh it, it's a medium nib which i don't usually get and i'm not sure how i ended up getting a medium nib but this was one of the first pens I ordered when I was trying out, when I was starting to try out fountain pens. Mm-hmm. And um, this this ink might be too wet for the medium nib, but I like it. I'm using it anyway. Mm. It's pretty wet. <laughs> huh. It really flows. I really like the Coico, um Sports Fine Nib. It's like the perfect size. Yeah, I need to order a couple more because they have really cool colors and they're cute and they're inexpensive and they're... Um, you know, they, they seem to just be really pretty reliable. Yeah. And I like having one that I can throw in my pocket of my lady jeans. Because <laughs> the regular pockets, you know, the regular um, regular size fountain pens don't fit in the pockets of women's jeans. So, you know, this, this is, is one of the things that I can I can throw in my pocket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am. And so, um, and I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and launch into what's exciting Absolutely. On, in my life, which is that my whole family has been taking roller skating lessons. And that's super cute. Which has been a lot of fun. And uh, Spawn's about to start doing junior roller derby. So we'll see how that goes. Ooh. <laughs> that's awesome. So because of that, I actually, we've, we've been going to skating, the skating lessons at the, at the roller rink for a while. It's been really fun. And I actually just bought some skates right after Christmas. And because I'm no longer renting my skates, I had to have a bag to carry them around in. So I made a roller skate bag All right. last week and I'm really happy with how it turned out. So I've got room in there for my, oh, like, and I go like, you know, once you get past 40, 
it's a lot smarter if you just go ahead and wear wrist guards and knee pads when you're roller skating. For sure. Every time, even if you're indoors, because they're way cheaper than, like, you can't break a pinky for what, (laughs) 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 you know, just the co-pays on anything you would have to do would cost more than a set of wrist guards and knee pads. So, you know, I've got that stuff all in a bag. And then I was really proud of myself because I I painted with some um, glow-in-the-dark paint on my on the little zipper case I made for my pads so that when I drop it down on my bag, you know, they've got the black lights in the roller skating rink mm-hmm. and I can see stuff down in my bag because it has, it has patterns on it in, um, in glow in the dark paint. Nice. And that picks up the UV. So, you know, so that was kind of my, that was part of what I was thinking about with the, uh, with thinking about mods and different kinds, different modes of how you can change your stuff to your needs. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my headspace lately. So what's exciting in your life? Well, a whole bunch of stuff. So um, I've been reading a lot of books um, specifically for my... I'm going to plug it. I'm just going to go ahead and plug it. My new podcast. Yeah, do it. Do it. My new podcast, Between the Folds, which will be decidedly not safe for work. Um, <laughs> partially because we're going to be discussing romance novels, but also because we're going to be, um, focusing on lesbian and bisexual romance. So I've been, I'm, I've just been like devouring books at a much faster pace than usual. And, uh, I've been reading some really good stuff. So I recently read the four point trilogy by an author named Max Ellendale, who has agreed to let me interview her about her books and writing and all of that fun stuff. So I'm super excited about that. Um, plus the books were fabulous. Um, it's a really interesting kind of like serial killer chase novel. Um, but she also talks about characters with PTSD in a really, really good manner. Just so I really, like I've, I've read a number of books that deal with psychological issues in a really horrifyingly bad manner. Um, just they, I imagine that's easy to do badly. Oh, it is. It's, I mean, it's one thing to write about someone who has psychological disorder and it's another thing to kind of ham fist treatment you know, and I'm particularly sensitive to that because I'm a therapist and I work in a partial hospital program. I work in an IOP program. So, you know, I worry about those things and I get upset when people talk about, you know, psychological stuff and then poo-poo getting the character's help or don't ever get the character's help. So that, you know, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's a really big pet peeve of mine. Um, So reading an author who, like Max Ellendale, who talks about psychological disorders in a really good way and has either is either works in the industry I work in or has really done her research. It just makes me super happy. So I'm super excited about reading those books and being able to talk to her in an interview. um, It's going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to, I'm recording the first episode of Between the Folds, hopefully Sunday, with Dee. She's going to be my first co-host. And then I'll be recording the second episode with my wife, Christy. And we're going to be talking about, so Dee and I are going to, eh, never mind. I'll get into that in the actual episode of Between the Folds. So I'll put a link in the show notes for Between the Folds for anyone who's interested in listening to me and my friends 
talk about romance novels with a lesbian twist or a lesbian focus rather and interviewing authors who write those sorts of books. The other thing that is not really exciting but really enraging is YouTube's new policies and how it affects monetization for small creators like myself and booktubers. Yeah, what what is this? So YouTube has set a number of hours limit. You have to hit so many watches, so many hours of watching over the course of a, I think it's a month, and it's like a thousand hours a month. So people like myself who, you know, I've got a couple of hundred videos up, and, you know, they're not, my videos aren't super long. They are, are, you know, for the most part, 10 minutes or less. I'm never going to hit a thousand hours a month. I'm never going to be I mean, able to. Which is what they should be. I mean, optimally, they should be 10 minutes or less if people, that's. Yeah. So anyway. That's the target for the kind of stuff you do. They, they made these changes and basically like people like me aren't going to be able to make money on YouTube anymore. So it, it's just, it's crap. And. YouTube, uh, you know, I'm, t- I'm really tempted to just go and remove all of my videos from YouTube. Even though, you know, I put, the- I started doing YouTube because I enjoyed it, not because I was making money on it. And, you know, at a certain point, I was making like a hundred bucks a month, which allowed me to buy more art supplies and more things for me to make the videos. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making a huge profit. I was taking the money that I earned. And investing that back into right. the video. It, it was subsidizing your habit. Right. Yeah, exactly. It subsidized my habit. And now, you know, the I, I think I make a hundred bucks a year at this point, which is, you know, it's peanuts. But at the same time, it's still a hundred bucks that I could take and I could invest into art supplies, pencils, pens, and things that I could review on my blog. And, you know, YouTube's right. just taken a dump on people who don't, make the kind of money in advertising like some of the like big names like I can't remember I don't even know some of the big names on YouTube anymore because I haven't watched a lot of the stuff but, oh my God, I have no idea but let's take this to a feminist bent because one of the things I was discussing with um, a booktuber on on Twitter about this was how much money is Google taking away from small makers who are women. Right. How many, how, how much money are they actually saving by taking this money away? I mean, it's peanuts. Like uh, my hundred dollars a year or my hundred dollars a month to Google is, is nothing. They, they, they flush that down the toilet every day. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, like they, yeah, yeah, you know, they, 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 they don't care about that much money, but I suppose when you take, and imagine like there are a thousand booktubers and who make a hundred dollars a month. That's more money. But how much of it is because these people are female who are making these videos as not their primary source of income or because they work part time and then spend the rest of the time with their family or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Right. I, well, and this, you know, this is kind of one of those things that there's gender bias or race bias, or, you know, other kinds of bias that happen intentionally. And there's those things where you make a policy, and it has a side effect or an unintentional effect of disproportionately impacting different vulnerable groups. Right. And, you know, this may or may not have been anything 
what malevolent on the part of YouTube to say, oh, well, you know, this is all mostly just women that are doing this and we don't care. But if they were just saying, you know what, we're just not going to we're not going to pay out these little peanut amounts to these small producers anymore. We're only going to, you know, we're going to set a threshold and they don't realize or they don't bother to find out or they don't care that it disproportionately impacts vulnerable groups. That's still a problem. Right. <laughs> you know, well, because like you don't realize that you're, that you're doing something that's, that has an effect that is, you know, racist or sexist or whatever, then that doesn't, that still doesn't change the fact that it's a problem. Right. It's like the gendering of notebooks. Like how many times since we recorded that episode, have we heard it doesn't matter. And it's always from people yeah. who it doesn't impact. You know, it's, it's almost always men saying that. And they occasionally say, Hey, I talked to some women and they said it doesn't matter either. Right. Which is, you know, basically the equivalent of, I have black friends. I can't be racist. Right. Uh, well, there was a recent comment in the RSVP group about just that. It was like, you know, the real shame here is that field notes use crappy paper. That's like the problem. They're charging you a premium. The problem isn't that it's gendered. And well, yeah, I mean, and, and I can I can kind of see that, but well, they're that, both problems. That's another problem, exactly. Uh, what, exactly. What? The fact that there's another problem that he doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to alienate anybody talking about no. this because it's, you know, I, I get that people have different opinions about different companies and that's fine. But the fact that that's a problem for that person doesn't right. mean that the other thing isn't a problem for other people. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I was just. So, yeah. Yeah. A little, little rage. I still want those Axleys though. Those what? Oh yeah. The glow in the dark. You just want, you should just get some glow in the dark paint and paint some field notes. Yeah, I should. I mean, I have glow in the dark paint and I kind of, I kind of paint everything. <laughs> Cause I love glow in the dark paint. And I've got my little UV flashlight that I carry around with me so that I can, like when I'm buying stuff in stores, I can check to see if it fluoresces or if it glows in the dark. Nerd. I know, but you know, it's, it's one of my things. I love it. And it's actually, um, so the spouse has a, uh, uh, like a jar of, um, of glow in the dark pigment, you know, like mm -hmm. just glow in the dark pigment solution. And I've got to, I've got to do some experiments. I've got to look and see what the solvent is, like what the, what the vehicle, the liquid phase is in it and, um, do some experiments, just spiking my UV, um, spiking my fountain pen inks with it. Ooh. Yes. Cause, um, you know, I'll just do some like I'll do some little clotting experiments first and just see, like, see if, if it's going to react. You know, yeah, see if it's going to do anything obviously weird in a, um, you know, just in a uh, solubility behavior kind of um, aspect with the inks I use most often. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to spike some in and see if it um, if it actually makes you know like what it would take to make them glow. Because like Noodlers, he's uh, he's not synthesizing anything new for his glow in the dark ink. You know, he's yeah. he's buying commercially available pigments and you know and repackaging them somehow. And he may be 
making them up into different kinds of solutions, but you know, he's not inventing anything new there. No. So, um, that's, that's kind of one of the longer term projects. And I also want to go do some science with my daughter's class. You know, have you seen the spy pens? Like you can. Yes. I yeah. loved those as a kid and they were always crappy. Right. So, um, the, like, not the very cheapest, like the second cheapest ones that you can buy on Amazon. You know, they're not, they're not super expensive and I'm going to have to overbuy because, um, spouse bought me a package of a dozen of them to try out. Mm-hmm. And the first one I pulled out was like, it was really the, the LED in it was really bright. The batteries were in good shape. And the second one I pulled out was practically dead. Oh. So I don't know if it's because the little plastic protection thing that keeps the batteries from coming into contact, like, wasn't doing it. And it, like, the batteries just went dead from being, from the button being compressed while it was in transit. I haven't checked the entire stack of them yet, the entire 12, to kind of get a percentage of how many of them are likely to be Mm. viable. But I'm going to have to overbuy a little bit. And then I've got some extra batteries I'll change them out before I give them to the kids. But what I really want to do is go in armed with some, you know, some piles of highlighter markers and highlighter pencils and, you know, even not just do some things that would be invisible on white paper, but also like do some drawings on dark paper and mm. see if I can get them to glow. Mm. So I've got to do a little bit of experimentation with that because I'd really like to, you know, have them be able to do some, you know, just do some experiments and do some art and doing some playing around with the stuff that's going to glow under the UV lights and then everybody to take one of the UV pens home. Hmm. Very cool. So if you've got any ideas about that, or if anyone listening to this has ideas about that, please do hold forth and share them because I haven't started doing my experiments yet. It's going to be a few weeks before I try to take anything in. And I would love to hear people's ideas. Mm. So well, I'm sorry to hear about that about YouTube. That sounds really frustrating. Yeah. Well, you know, I wasn't, at this point, I haven't been making a lot on YouTube anyway. It was just sort of like, Every now and then, I would get a direct deposit from Google and be like, ooh, extra money. Right. Well, I mean, it's just kind of another little slap in the face, kind of like the Patreon thing that was going on a couple yeah. weeks ago, you know, where these these companies kind of start out as sort of this small-D democratic thing where the point of it is that everybody can get on here mm-hmm. and everybody can have a voice, and then they become more like public utilities where the the only thing that people can use for that and everybody sort of gets dependent on them for that. Yeah. Because there really aren't any other platforms to reach people and then they change the policies and kind of screw the little guy. Yeah. And you know, I think that the other thing is also by doing this, by demonetizing the smaller creators, they're really undermining what made YouTube fun and great. I mean, the things that make YouTube fun and great aren't things like PewDiePie, but like the cat videos that don't make any money or like, you know, the funny pet videos or like the art instruction videos or people talking about their passions like the booktubers or people talking about writing or drawing or, you know, that's what made YouTube really fun and, and interesting, at least to me. And now, right. now that those people aren't going to be able to monetize their, their content, are they going to stay? I, I don't know. I think that uh, YouTube really undermined what made them great. And 
they're going to see some negative consequences. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch because we're, you know, we're still in the Wild West, right? Yeah. Like we just invented the printing press and we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't know yet what it's going to look like 20 years from now. Well, like, I think, think what, about how new this stuff is. Yeah. I think that what they did was they have basically given a competitor an in. You know, all it's going to take now is for someone to say, you know what? What we want to do is we want to take you, you little guys, you people who aren't interested in doing like the crazy content or the hour long videos or, you know, the semi-professional work. We want to give you a place to, to work and make money and get advertisers, right. you know, you know, it's just interesting. Gonna, yeah. yeah. It's, I wonder if there's anybody waiting to do that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm remembering back in the dim corners of my brain that there was an eBay policy change a few years back that kind of created a similar uproar among yeah. like small users. Yeah. And I, there's really not, it, nothing has come in to replace it, right? No. So like people still go to eBay and people still go to Facebook, even though yeah. Google plus is a thing, you know, well, cause and, Google plus sucks, you know, it's not well, very good. <laughs> and it's still Google. So it's not like you're really going to the little guy. Right. right. But I don't know. It's going to, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because honestly, I don't know what we're going to be on 10 years from now, but it probably hasn't been invented yet. Yeah. The thing that we're all going to be using in 10 years hasn't been invented yet, which is nuts to think about, right? Like, yeah, it really is nuts. It is nuts. It's like, wow, wow. I just had an existential moment there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, shall we get into the main topic for this week? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, all of the mod discussion. So this could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. You know, we see that word hack a lot. We see that word mod a lot. And the, they, I think these are kind of terms that people use in different ways. And again, I think it's part of that newness thing. Um, so I was kind of thinking of four rough categories. Tell me what you think about this. Mm. Um, so I was thinking about, first of all, there's really basic stuff, decoration or embellishment of your stuff, you know, so that's the paint, washi tape, that's the decorated journals and planners, um, stuff like that. And I would put hack wings into that category because hack wings is one of my favorite mod things to do, but it's, I don't think of it, uh, people think of it like it's surgery and I just think it's, you know, accessorization. I think of it more like picking up a different purse. (laughs) Um, the second one, would be making fixes to your equipment. Like you see your equipment doesn't quite work the way you want it to. So you make a modification to it uh, either to increase or expand its utility. So like dr- adapting the fountain pen for drop or fill, you know, that's kind yeah. of an off label use. It goes beyond decorating it, but at the same time, it's still definitely very much within the spirit of the tool. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or people who use stamps to turn their pocket notebooks into planners, right? Which right. I have not been doing yet. Um, and the third level would be using available products for completely different uses than what they're intended for. Hmm. So you see all of those, 
all of those websites coming up, advertising, you know, popping up saying a hundred uses for pencils or a hundred uses for binder clips or, you know, 50 uses for your salad spinner. Number 27 (laughs) will blow your mind. (laughs) Um, Those kinds of web pages. And um, one of the ones that I was thinking about there is that I have a couple of stick-on curved mirrors, like um, convex mirrors Uh from the auto parts store. That because because my desk doesn't face the door of my office. Oh God, that's awful. Well, I mean it's uh, yeah. I mean it's it's partly just because of kind of how my office, the space in my and I've got my own office, which is really nice. Like I have a door to my office, which yeah. is great. But um, my desk is this huge old steel case desk. And it just it just kind of doesn't work to have it facing the door. Right. So I have a little rear view mirror on my computer <laughs> stand so that I can see if somebody's waiting at the door of my office. Because as you know, I also have a giant blower in the roof of and the ceiling of my office so making massive amounts of noise. <laughs> so I can't hear it if people walk up quietly. And then I also have a, another little um, convex mirror stuck to a magnet stuck to my door itself so that I can glance over and kind of see into the hallway to see if anybody's waiting to come in my office because of office hours, you know, people waiting. Hmm. So I can see one way cause I'm angling. Like I can, I can see like angling up the hallway one direction and then the, the mirror lets me sort of see a little bit up the hallway the other direction so that I can mm-hmm. see if somebody's waiting for my office. You know, I don't think the people who made those and sold them at AutoZone were thinking about that use for them. No, probably but not. that was way cheaper than the rear view mirror that's actually sold or marketed for going on your computer so you can see behind you at work. Mm. Um, and I think that ca- that category would also include some of the up uh, upcycling or repurposing activities, you know, like... Mm. I don't know. There's some definitely some wishy-washiness here. Yeah. And then, of course, category four would be just straight up making your own stuff, which, you know, which you do all the time and which I plan to do and then don't actually execute. <laughs> Although I did make a bag for my skates, so I'm pretty proud of that. There so what do you go. think about those categories? Is that... I- I think those are good categories. I would add to that the modific, like there's a difference between the modifications that you can just do on your own, like making your own stuff, using available uh, and all of that, um, versus modifications you can buy. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Go, go into that. So the modifications that you can buy, I'm thinking about things like Tofty's adapters and clips for the Squire and other pens or using other refills. Were those the 3D printed ones? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or using other refills, like from the well-appointed desks refill guide. Oh. Um, and I would I would say that in terms of modifications that you can buy, things like covers for your various notebook brands, your pocket notebooks, and things like that. That's that's a modification if you think about it. Because when you think like pocket notebooks, you're really just supposed to throw them in your pocket, right? That's true, and and almost all the covers preclude actually throwing them in your pocket anymore after that. Well, if you're wearing lady pants. Which I do. Yeah. I I wear men's jeans, so I have room in my back pocket for my notebook and a cover. 
See, if I wear men's jeans, then my butt looks like not a woman's butt. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you need work. You, you need to get men's skinny jeans, which are basically women's pants marketed for men, but um, with real pockets. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'll check that out. But then I'd have to go to a bigger size, and I would be sad because I would remember what size I used to be when I used to wear men's jeans. Oh, for God's sake. I know. I can't help it. I'm a good little American girl. I can never feel happy about my body, never, oh, no matter how it uh, You've been taught. I have. Yeah, I know. It's really hard to overcome. I'm Lenore, working on Lenore, it. you're hot. Come on. Just just accept it. <laughs> and buy some men's pants and be happy with your pocket size. Thanks, sweetie. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, and I already talked about like what I think of as a advanced mods, which is taking brass and adding ammonia and salt and then sealing it up with acrylic spray. And then like it goes this, well, E6000 goes into making fixes to equipment by like you use, I use E6000 for just about anything, but I also use it to seal um, choke holes in um, pens so that I can then eyedropper them. Right, and those those holes are actually there, so you can tell how much ink is there, right? No, no, no. Like, um, they're they're made so that if a kid swallows your pen, oh, that choke they can, holes. Yeah, yes, I so see that what you're they, saying. yeah, okay, so that they don't choke. They can still breathe, even though they've got a right solid. Tube so you just shoved want the kids to choke? Is that what we're hearing here? This is why I don't have children. <laughs> really. That's no, why. No, I don't want children. I like other people's okay. kids, but I like to. I, I like to give other people's children, like my nephew, sugar and caffeine, play with them, and then send them home. Ah, cool Aunt Les. Yep. That would be me. And I really I, have... I'm glad sh- to be warned. <laughs> I really have sent my nephew home sugared and caffeined. I gave him chocolate in the afternoon. My brother... Yeah? Yeah, my brother was not pleased. <laughs> So I think I've told you about this before, but when Spawn was about two and a half, mm. I used to occasionally, I, I would carry cliff bars with me, you know, because they go from like, they go from sunshine to like hell spawn in this period of like 42 seconds when they get hungry. <laughs> yeah. And she loved the chocolate mint cliff bar. That was her favorite. So I would get the chocolate mint cliff bar and she would be hungry and I would give her half a cliff bar. And I think I'd been doing this, like I'd, I'd probably given her, I don't know, five or six times these chocolate mint cliff bars before I figured out that that's one of the flavors that has caffeine in it. <laughs> so I was giving my two year old, you know, the equivalent of a cup of coffee and it took me a while to figure it out. And then, I mean, fortunately she accepted it with some grace when I told her why she couldn't have it anymore. (laughs) So, you know, part of my clinical assessment that I have to do with people at work is to ask them about their caffeine intake. And one of the questions is, so there's this whole section about substances of abuse. And so it's like, what's your substance of choice? So a lot of people will be like, dude, I totally love heroin. And then, you know, I go through the whole list. You have to ask them about, okay, you know, do you drink alcohol? Do you use cocaine? Do you try, do you use opiates? Um, do you use this? Uh, have you ever done angel dust or PCP or, or K2? Wow, that's thorough. It's very thorough. And then the very end, it says, so when was the first time you tried caffeine? 
going to be like, well, I really loved the chocolate mint cliff bars when I was potty trained. I really love, I, I started using caffeine when I was two years old. It was fabulous. <laughs> I've been hooked ever since. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. The, and, and it's really hilarious. Like it always gets people and be like, seriously, you're asking me about my caffeine intake? It's like, well, yeah, because it can affect your anxiety levels. And oftentimes, you know, people will be like, I have no idea why I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? I don't know. And I'd be like, okay, so how many how many Rockstar energy drinks do you drink in a day? <laughs> yeah, do, do you have a Red Bull in your hand right now? <laughs> you're drinking a Red Bull. And, and you've had three Rockstar energy drinks plus a extra large, extra, extra Dunkin' Donuts this morning. <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah so people like they always give me a hard time about the caffeine but you know they're like i don't know anyway yeah it's oh wow okay so anyway, anyway so much more <laughs> tangential um, i totally forgot where we were um we were talking about mods i was talking about how e6000 is Everyone who does any sort of modification should go and pick up a oh, tube right. of E6000 because you can make fixes to equipment. You can adapt things. I have mine in my hand right now. Do you really? I do. I literally do. I just picked it up. It's sitting here on my desk. Excellent. It's good stuff. It's my favorite glue. The high viscosity self-leveling formula. Next week, we're going to use it to repair uh, the hole in, the, in my husband's ragtop. Oh, good call. I know. It's going to be great. I use it to um, stick patches onto my bag that is all for patches. That's all it's got on it is patches. What do you carry in it? In my patch bag? Yeah. Uh, it's my weekend bag, so it gets my tablet, my Kindle, my Bluetooth keyboard, notebooks, pens... It's, it, it's not appropriate for me to take it to work anymore because it's got way too much personality. Oh, um, yes, yes. So people could find out things about you. I know. I, I, yeah. I, I, um, I've been on thin ice because my backpack, my, I have that Osprey flapjack and it's got a button on it from my tattoo parlor that I go to. Oh. And, but it's really, really tiny. And for anyone to actually figure out what it says, they'd have to like be really looking at it. And or my, they would have to already know that tattoo parlor right. and its logo. So my boss the other day, like I was leaving the building, my yeah. boss was like staring at it really closely. Fortunately, she's, she's super cool. But she was like real, like she wears glasses, so I'm pretty sure she couldn't actually figure out what it was. She could tell that there was a button there, and it had a pattern on it and a name, but she couldn't actually read it. Right. Anyway, I, yeah, that, going I, on another tangent there. Well, no, I mean I think this is this is fair because it's everyday carry kind of stuff, you know. I mean it's, this is this is part of how we use our stuff, and we've talked before about the real EDC, right? Yeah. And this has been a thing for me because um, I try to be pretty vanilla at work, mm. you know, partly because I, I so much of my time I teach freshmen right. and I do have certain I know that there are some students who just will shut down and they won't be able to learn from me mm-hmm. if they knew certain things about me that would cause them to put me into a category in their own head right? that they know very little about, right? Yeah. 
So, you know, that would kind of shut things down and that would be detrimental to their learning and therefore mm. to, um, you know, to my ability to, to work with them. Mm. So, you know, I try to be pretty vanilla. I try not to be controversial, overtly controversial about things at work, even for things that I feel quite strongly about. But that also means like maybe not putting stuff on my backpack, right? right? Well, and not wearing t-shirts with logos on them. Yeah. Well, that's like, well, first off, like I have a professional job, but and we've talked a little bit about my workplace attire in previous episodes, but like I cover up my tattoos. Part of that is because my previous boss who just retired didn't felt that they were unprofessional. On the other hand of that, so many of my clients are tattooed people. And oftentimes, like, if, you know, you have a tattoo, they connect and they'll have, they'll ask you questions. Oh, you're tattooed or, you know, and that gives you an opening in a therapeutic setting to be able to have a conversation about, oh, yeah, you know, let's talk about your interest in tattooing. Why, how did you get into it? But, you know, like, I am careful to cover up my tattoos at work because that gives, it's like a personal commentary. Right. And right. it gives them some insight into who I am versus seeing me as a therapist. Right. And, and also, you know, again, with that, it would give some people sort of, it would let some people give themselves permission to shut you down and not listen to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's really more the thing for me. I, you know, I'm not so much about, to some extent, I want to keep my private life private from my students. Right. Certainly. You know, I would prefer that they not be, that it not even occur to them that certain aspects of my life might exist, you know. But I also don't want to have things that cause them to have an excuse to blow off anything I might say. Right. You know, unfortunately, some of that is even just like, and I've gotten less worried about this, but you know, like making mentions about referring to evolution as, as fact, you know, which Mm -hmm. scientifically, uh, you know, the word theory applies scientifically, but in the common uses of the words fact and theory, evolution's a fact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I, if I refer to us as, you know, large brained primates, there are some (laughs) students who are gonna, who are gonna shut down at that point. And not listen to anything I say about chemistry because they've heard that, you know, evolution is evil and, you know, whatever. So that's, it's kind of a line to walk all the time. So when you're talking about the patches that you have on your bag, like this is a thing that I deal with. I'm, I'm a little careful about what kind of buttons I put on my backpack. And I, I've never carried around bags with buttons on them until literally this fall after I got my Baron Fig that um that kickstarter backpack from right baron fig which i have pins now all over and most of them are stationary related but a couple of <laughs> them are you know very small and understated but still potentially you know carry a what could be perceived as an aggressive message <laughs> yeah well it's like um like my kindle case like i covered my kindle and stickers 
But because it's, I take my Kindle with me to work so that I can read between clients or if right. clients don't show up, I was very careful with the stickers that I put on it. So I didn't put any right. of my, my political stickers. I didn't put on any Planned Parenthood stickers. And the one sticker that I did put on it that is kind of borderline, it's a cat giving the fingers, double bird. <laughs> um, and I was like, I, at lunch, I was sitting there reading. And one of my coworkers was like doing the squinty eye thing at it. Yes. And then at the end, she's like, is that cat flipping the double bird? I was like, yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like one of the reasons that I keep working where I work is my coworkers are amazing and they have this hilarious sense of humor. And so the double bird cat is hilarious to them. They all That's rescue, so they all rescue animals. But like, you know, if I put my fight fascism or dreamers unite us, like I have coworkers who are right wing Trump supporting people. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I walked into the other break room outside of the partial hospital program and I sat there with my tablet case covered in, you know, Dr Unite Dreamers and Fight Fascism and, you know, she persisted. Right. That would cause uh, an uproar. I would be sucked into a discussion and it would not be comfortable. Right. But anyway, we went off on a huge tangent that is, well, I suppose stickers are a mod too. Aren't they? They are. Stickers are a mod. Speaking of which, recently, I think I posted this in the in the Facebook group, Redbubble had a 50% off sale. So if you bought a certain number of stickers, then it was 50% off. So like I got $20 worth of stickers for 10 bucks. Oh man. And um I I went and I actually Did I, you post that online? I would have done that. I think I posted it in the RSVB group when you were you might have been it. away. Yeah. Um but I ordered all of the coffee stickers I could find, so my Kindle is covered in coffee related stickers. So I'm super happy about that. That was fun. That's pretty cool. Anyway, I'll see if I can find the um a red bubble discount link. Yeah, if you can, if you want to put one up. We should see if they could <laughs> we should see if they want to throw a premium, you know, like a, a coupon code our way. Yeah. We could probably get them some business over there. They probably we've probably got people who haven't ordered from them. Oh, but it's entirely possible. So I'm gonna put a um I'm gonna put links in to the Tofties adapters and to the well appointed desk refill guide because that I hadn't seen that refill guide before. I don't know how I missed that. We've linked it before. I think I just never connected it. I need to have it bookmarked. Anna, Anna is the one who um, pointed me towards Tofty. She sent me an email saying, hey, you should check out Tofty. Because I was complaining on one of our podcasts about the fact that nothing fits into the Squire. But things do if you use an adapter. Oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I remember that now. Although I've been pretty happy with the refills from them. Yeah, I don't mind their refills. It's just that I blow through them really, really quickly Yeah, because I, I do so much writing at work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, just kind of yeah. the differences in use. I mean, obviously you're going to have, depending on how, how you're using things and how fast you're going through them, you're going to have different needs yeah. in those, uh, in those categories. And actually I think it's funny that you're calling the brass with ammonia and salt, 
um, like the, you know, creating the brass patina that you're calling that an advanced mod, because I would have put that in a category one decoration embellishment. Like I don't even, it's, I mean, it's, I'm a chemist, so I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's sure. Well, I think it's advanced do, right? because you can really screw it up. Um, Patrick Ng of Scription, he did a brass mod with a um, Midori brass bullet pencil, uh-huh. and he left it in the in the bath to the point where it unrolled, like the 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 brass kind of just fell apart. Oh, it was beautiful. It was an amazing mod. But, like, he left it in for too many hours, and it just sort of disintegrated the pencil. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, you're basically, you're using controlled corrosion. Yeah. To get that patina. You're you're doing, you're accelerating the corrosion and then hopefully stopping it with the, the coating. Well, you wash it, wash off the ammonia, and you wash off yeah. the salt, and it leaves the corrosion behind. Right. And then uh, you spray it. So, I mean, which is essentially the kind of the, the parallel process to making yogurt or cheese, right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's controlled spoilage, right? Yeah. It's controlled decay. Just with the right con- with the right substances added. Yeah, yeah. So, and who who was that? I'll, I'll link it because that's interesting. Patrick Ng. Um, Inscription. Yeah, uh, NG. Oh, oh, okay. All right, cool. It was in his um, Instagram. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so how long does it take to do that? Because I thought it would happen pretty quick. I was envisioning something that would take like 15, 20 minutes. Most of the videos that I've watched about it are around vaping. <laughs> um, but it takes, no, it, it takes about 24 hours for you to get a really good uh, patina. Oh, so that's going pretty hardcore. Yeah, because you're looking, because, like, if you just go for, like, 20 minutes to an hour, you get some dark brown and some black. But to get the blue and the teal colors and the greens, you have right. to, like, get, it, it actually, it etches down into the brush oh, sure. itself. It eats yeah. it away. So, yeah, it's some and really cool stuff. I'll link to, I'll same. put some of the videos um, from YouTube about it. <laughs> Which the people who made them aren't going to make any money off of now. Sadly. Oh yeah, I see it here. All right, I'm going to link that. That's that's uh, cr- kind of crazy. Isn't it pretty though? It's super. It pretty. is real pretty. Yeah, it is real pretty. But he's um he's saying here that the thinnest part of the pen is 0.26 millimeters. Yeah. Well, the Holy the Midori smoke. The Midori brass pencil is uh really very lightweight. It's very, very thin brass versus the Squire, which, you know, I haven't even checked, but this is pretty, a pretty solid yeah, brass. Yeah, I don't think there's anything on there that's anywhere close to a quarter of a millimeter in, uh... No, this is like a full millimeter, more than, look, maybe two millimeters in some spots, so this is a good sturdy one for, for modifications, Right, that's nice. But on the other hand, if people want to practice this first, it's not that hard to find something made of brass. Right. That you could refine your technique on before you do it on a $60 pen. Yeah, you could stop in in just about any art or craft store and pick up a piece of brass tube to practice. Right. Hey, so I have actually something else that I'm going to do that's a little bit exciting. I had a, um, a hardbound comp book or a hardbound lab notebook from when I was in grad school. So it's been, you know, 20 years now Mm. that I had started using as my 
cookbook, my recipe notebook. Mm-hmm. And I had copied into it family recipes, you know, my various grandmothers and great grandmothers cookie recipes from Christmas and recipes that I remembered my aunt and my best friend's mom and people making when I was a kid I'd gotten as an adult and copied them in there. And so, you know, it's kind of a really special book to me and it Mm -hmm. looks like a lab notebook and it's dirty and stuff has been spilled on it. And now the binding of it is falling apart because I was in grad school and I'm sure it was, you know, the, the cheapest I'm sure it was just whatever I could afford when I was in grad school. And I even have a couple things in there where I had something at somebody's house and loved it and asked them to write the recipe into it, right? So oh, I've got awesome. other people's handwritings in it and things. You know, I still pull it out a couple times a week because I'm referencing stuff that's in it. So I'm, I've been trying to decide what to do, whether I want to scan those, in which case I have to then curate and copy forward the files or like photocopy them and put them in a notebook in mm. you know with hard copies and paper sleeves. Like there's a lot of different ways I could do this and I do want to have it backed up. So here's but a question I, actually, I have for you. Yeah. Is is it a stitched binding or is it a glue bound? Uh it is glue bound. So there's okay. a couple pages that have fallen out, but really it's the spine like the the paper cover over the spine has mm-hmm. come loose and I had it taped for a while, but then the adhesive on the tape got brittle and that peeled yeah. off. Cause it was just, I'm sure it was just packing tape. It's clearly not an archive quality. Right. Text. Right. So, um, but I brought home a Baron fig confidant from the box in my office that I haven't used yet. I'm going to start copying into those. And I was actually staring at the metamorphosis for a while, deciding if I like, do I want to put it in a raspberry honey? Do I want to put it in a metamorphosis? And then I was like, let's do the gray one. (laughs) So I've got a gray confidant that I'm going to copy it into unless anybody has any better ideas. Um, When you, when you get it copied over, if you, if you would like me to attempt the repair of it, feel free to send it to me. And I will scrape off the old glue binding, put a leather spine on it, and um, glue it all back together with new end sheets. Ooh. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? I would love to take you up on that. Um, because it is, I mean, it, it does have kind of sentimental value to mm-hmm. me as an object. Because as yeah. I'm flipping through it, kind of like I remember where I was when I wrote different recipes into yeah. it. You know, I see new people's names come up that I adapted. You know, I got the recipe from this person and that kind of dates it because it would have had to be very early after I moved to New Haven or Mm -hmm. it was after I moved to Pocatello or, you know, so it's, it just, it just makes me happy. Like it makes me feel warm to have this object, but at the same time, I know that it's not going to last forever and I should probably have something with more utility moving forward. Um, uh, I mean, I am, you know, I bind books, but also like a, you know, qualified binder or repair person can, can really make that so that it lasts forever. I mean, a glue binding is not optimum, but you take that glue, the, the binding that's on it and you sand it off. Then you cut curves into the spine and you lay in linen thread into the spine and put put cotton mull over the spine, glue it all back together, put it under weight for a couple of days. And then, you know, you take the covers off and you put a, a leather spine on it. 
See, I just hear the love in your voice as you say those words. <laughs> uh, like this is, and I mean, this is also a mod, right? This yeah. repair. I should have included a category for repair mm. because, you know, like I've got. Well, you put making number two is making fixes to equipment. Yeah, but I was saying to increase or expand, and I hadn't even thought about restore. It really should be to increase, expand, or restore its utility. Because you know, like I've got, I've got a tent that's what twenty five years old now, and I've got to replace another section in the tent pole and and replace the shock cord. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that this weekend. I've got the I've got the stuff to do it. I just haven't gotten it done yet. It's not mm-hmm. camping season, so I don't care. You know, and it's my little tent. It's the one I use if I'm sleeping by myself. We've mm-hmm. got the family tent that's much newer and has aluminum poles and everything's in really good shape. But you know, again, that tent, like I love it. I've fixed it. It's mine. I own it. I've set it up a thousand times. Right. You know, and I've had some really great trips and some great memories associated with it. So yeah, the the repair is also one of those mod kind of categories. Hmm. That's yeah, making me really happy. I'm having a little nostalgia attack. Aww. So what do you think? Like, I think we've really talked a lot about mods. I mean, we haven't hit, you know, other than my, like my obsession with um, modifying my key. We've, well, we haven't hit anything like in particular. I mean, we talked about available products, different different purposes. But I think we've, like, really kind of gone tangential on it and kind of hit everything. What do you think? Yeah. I I mean, I think this is something I'd like to kind of revisit in the future because I had not thought about this in any kind of systematic way until, Mm -hmm. you know, until I started planning for this episode. Right. Because, you know, I've always just thought, like, you're the hardcore modder person, right? You're the person that I ask if I have a question about modifying something, because chances are you've done it. And, uh, you know, now now that we've kind of talked about it, I've actually participated in a lot more of these activities than I was thinking. I was like, yeah, I don't really do anything. I just think about it. But, you know, I've I, yeah, I do a fair amount. And I actually, um, I took a few indulgent moments this afternoon and um, painted tiny flowers on a bunch of black wings <laughs> for some Excellent. gifts I'm sending to people. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was really therapeutic, actually, to yeah. just kind of pull out. And it's, it's um, I don't have to really get the paints out to do it because I can just shake up the little bottles of acrylic paint, mm. take the lid off and use my paintbrush to just pull paint out of the lid. Mm-hmm. Because there's enough in there. Yeah. So that was really fun. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of modding, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's decorating. It's it's kind of the lowest level. But even just throwing well, some washi tape and stickers on things is, is... Is decoration really the lowest level? Or is that adding your personality to the things that you enjoy using? I would say... I, I don't mean the lowest level. I would say it's the most accessible... Okay. Kind of least intense level of modding things, right? Right. Words, because, they're important. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm not saying it's like... I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. It's entry-level modding. Right. <laughs> Entry-level, I like that. Yeah. Beginner's mods. It is. It is. But, you know, once you... once you, And we've had the conversation before about how do you make yourself use your stuff, right? Right. And I think overcoming that uh, that fear of using your stuff can just start with slapping a sticker on it and making it your own. You know, like I, I have a hard time sticking stickers on things, which is dumb, mm. but I do. 
You know, for me, it's a matter of I don't want to use up my stickers. Yes. Like, I might not have this thing forever, and I like this sticker. Right. And, you know, the other thing is also, like, you know, when I was a kid, stickers were expensive. And because we were poor, I didn't have a lot of stickers. Yeah. Or, like, stickers were super special to me because I couldn't afford them. Yeah. So yep. and going to the store with your friend and buying four stickers or something was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's not like that anymore. Our house contains thousands of stickers right now. Like they're they're so cheap and they're they're everywhere and there was a, a long period of my life when Spawn was little that I was just like Please, God, do not anybody send her any more stickers because it's just like pages and pages. You know, and one or two stickers is fun and 10 stickers is fun. But like when somebody sends you four packages of 50 stickers, like mm-hmm. what do you what do you even do? Like you're kind of bored just moving them from where they're stuck to the page they came on to some other page. Yeah. I don't know. It's different. It's not like it was when we were kids. No, stickers were special. Like they were like a big deal. They were. Yeah, we used to use our stickers and our corn cob doll to go out to the outhouse. And, <laughs> uh, you know, walk to school two miles in our bare feet with the lunch pail. In the Remember snow. Remember those times? In, in the snow. In the snow. Yeah. Hitch uh, up the oxen. Oh, God. We never we never <laughs> had oxen. Yeah, well, I didn't go to school barefoot either, but, oh, you know. Yeah. I was having a little Laura Ingalls Wilder moment there. <laughs> Yeah, so I think we've hit most of it, but I, this is a this is a topic I would love to come back around to. You know, I'd love to bookmark this and kind of come back around to it and talk about it in a year or two because I'm going to be looking at my own activities through a different lens now. Hmm. Which is my favorite thing, right? Just to what self analyze? Well, no, just to just to look, see things differently. Hmm. To, you know, to have my worldview shifted a little bit and to see things I haven't seen before. That's one of my very favorite things. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. I enjoyed this. Yeah. I don't know. I always enjoy our our, uh, slightly tangential topics the most. They're they're my favorite. We did. But (laughs) I I think they're my favorite. And um, you're going to throw up some videos for that. uh, For the mods, yeah. For the brass patina and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, go ahead. And if you're not going to take your videos off of Facebook, toss us up some some links to some of your mod videos because I think um, I know I enjoy those and I haven't hit them all. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks. So um, I want to take a moment actually to thank everybody for their support on the website and on the Facebook group. Um, I am still. I'm still just baffled at the fact that I'm part of something that people want to listen to. I think that's great. So <laughs> thank you so much. I, I, you know, I'm having a little we're not worthy moment here. Um, it's so wonderful to get so much good energy from everyone. And as you all know, the Facebook group is my happy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to give a quick thanks to everyone who continues to support us and everyone who's joined the Facebook group and i want to just remind everybody to please go to itunes if you have an account there and uh review and rate us there because that'll help more people find us and um we are now on stitcher as well um you can find the podcast at rsvp stationary podcast.com and les will 
Will you tell us where we can find you? Absolutely. You can find me at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, at Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio, Instagram at Original LC Harper, and Twitter also at Original LC Harper. And you can find my new podcast, Between the Folds, at BetweenTheFolds.club. Ah. Oh. That's going to be fun. So, uh, so lesbian romance is that a is that a specific interest of yours? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go ahead and list Dee's contact information too, and hopefully we won't have to have any more of these two person, three person podcasts. Mm. Um, Dee, you can find at theweeklypencil.com. You can find her on Facebook at. Uh, facebook.com slash the weekly pencil. She's on Instagram at the weekly pencil and on Twitter at the weekly pencil. And she's, man, she's got it together, doesn't she? Very organized. I'm jealous man, of how organized she is. That is some like consistency there. I yeah. love it. And I, I theoretically have a Twitter at Lenore underscore Hoyt, but really, I don't check it. I'm on Facebook. Um, and you can find me through the RSVP Stationery Podcast Facebook group or um, through the Erasable Podcast uh, Facebook group. Um, so thank you again so much, and I hope you enjoyed this. We'll be back soon. All right. <laughs>